Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm yours today, Ash Barami, and I'm pleased to be joined by Rich Fair. Hello, thanks for having me. And Samuel Lucas. Hello, I was a bit thrown there. I thought I thought Rich was the host, but it's it's been infiltrated by by producer Ash. It's nice to have a change now and again. I think sometimes <laughs> got to get Rich's opinion on stuff as opposed to being the host slash opinion giver. But it's an international break. We are closing in and the football is a club football set to return. It's been a quiet but eventful, I think, international break. Samuel, um, we've had the project big picture come and go. Um, I'm sure we'll touch on that later on. But I think the first place to start is with Wembley last night and England's defeat to Denmark. And more notably, Harry Maguire's nightmare 30 minutes. Surely now, Samuel, is probably the time for Solskjaer to give Maguire that break from action and almost mentally allow him to reset because, my God, it's not getting any better for him, is it? No, it, it's, it's been an absolutely catastrophic time and obviously you have to factor in the Mykonos incident because his his form has has been worse since that I know Maguire made a couple of mistakes last season and and after the restart like the, the Bergwijn goal and uh, I think he went viral for was it pulling Wambisaka out of the way for Southampton's equaliser late on so he, he's not been immune from errors uh, he was sorry he wasn't immune from errors prior to um, his uh, ill-fated holiday but he just looks all over the place at the moment and the issue United have is that their defence is also all over the place there there are no there's no panacea there uh, there's no world-class defender there's no silver bullet whatever you want to call it there are caveats with literally every option you could bring into that central defence uh, to the point that strangely enough Luke Shaw as a centre-back in a back three is probably the most reliable centre-back um, you're going to come across at United at the moment and that's an argument a separate argument as to whether Solskjaer should go with a back three at Newcastle but you just wonder whether he will take Maguire out of the team because the uh, fixtures come thick and fast and they're also huge fixtures as well you're coming up against Champions League runners-up Champions League semi-finalists in successive weeks um two big six teams are on the agenda uh, Newcastle are above United in the table at the moment Everton is the last game last league game before the next set of internationals and by virtue of where Everton are at the moment and what they did in the summer they have to be considered as rivals to United as well so he's he's got to be as Darren Fletcher alluded to um not long ago Solskjaer's got to be selfish and make decisions that are going to keep him in a job not whether they're going to keep Harry Maguire happy or what's best necessarily for Harry Maguire. There, there is a balancing act there, but he's got to soon, very, very quickly happen upon a solution or a team that is going to keep him in a job because we've seen it happen so many times. If there's been a bad run of results, you come into the November internationals, it's the perfect time for a club to sack a manager. And th- that really cannot be ruled out after 6-1. Yeah, we'll touch yeah, on Solskjaer a bit, Rich. Um, with Maguire, I mean, it's an interesting one because he took Lindelof out the team a few weeks ago and thinking Lindelof might have been the problem. But now it, it's pretty obvious that it, that issue is also Maguire as well. So, I mean, what 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 is the solution to this? Do you take Lindelof and Maguire out? Do you bring Lindelof back in? We've seen Bailly and Lindelof partner together and that hasn't exactly set the world alight. So what, what in your eyes, is is the solution here? I think the caveat with Lindelof is that he, he wasn't fit. He, I mean, even when he is fit, 
fans will say he's probably not good enough, but when he's half fit, he definitely isn't. And, you know, he couldn't play in all the internationals during the last international break, the one previous to this at the start of the season, because he wasn't fit enough. Sweden said he wasn't fit enough. So he, he didn't play in their final game then. So his his withdrawal, withdrawal was understandable. But the issue with Maguire is, it was kind of twofold. The fact is, the, the games coming up are so important that I don't think he can be dropped, even though he needs to be dropped. But there's also a precedent that's been set because Solskjaer plays Maguire in every single game which he doesn't need to play. And he played both games against last. He plays in meaningless yeah. Carabao Cup games. He plays in meaningless FA Cup games. So when he could have had a rest, he hasn't had them. So now there is, like I said, this precedent set. So when United are playing any half-meaningful game, Maguire has to start. I think that the issue is he does I personally think he needs a rest, but like Samuel said, the, the games are too important. Solskjaer needs to be selfish. And even though Harry Maguire might not be full of confidence, he might not even be fully fit given the amount of games he plays, he's better than, than any of the other options still at the club. And the issue is that the price tag's always going to weigh down heavily on him and he's always going to be put in the Virgil van Dijk category. United overpaid for him. He isn't in that category. He's not proven it yet at United. He's still only had maybe a handful of really impressive performances. But he's still United's best defender. And that, that at the end of the day, when you're playing these, these good sides coming up, United need him. And he should have had his rest earlier, but he's not had it. And United will, will pay the price now. But I don't think there's any option other than to play Harry Maguire, really. Yeah. And on, on the situation with Maguire as well, I mean, with, with, with Solskjaer, I mean, no matter how bad, however bad Maguire plays, it looks equally as bad on Solskjaer, doesn't it, Samuel? Because at the end of the day, he was almost like the spearhead of these signings that he's made since since he joined a couple of years ago. So it, it, you, you can take him out, but then it, it just looks bad on Solskjaer as well in, in, in some regard, doesn't it? it? Yeah, it does. I think with, with the signings, caveats have started to emerge there really quite quickly, uh, quicker than anybody certainly would have foreseen, um, especially given the form, the domestic form towards the end of last season in the league. But you do have to factor in the the lack of a preseason and um, the ring rust that comes with it. Uh, I, I think some of the things I've heard about some of the players and their extracurricular activities during that break between the end of last season and the start of this season does account for their form now, which for obvious reasons you can't, I can't go into, unfortunately. And that's that's not Maguire either. That's 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 unrelated to him. But there is. I do think there's, you know, we, we touched upon it probably a few weeks ago, but in terms of the discipline of the United squad, is there an issue there? Because Lingard, Greenwood, Maguire, they've all got caught up in, um, you know, certainly incidents, to put it politely, when they've been away in certain environments. And that's that's something that maybe Solskjaer privately has had to address. Uh, but, I mean, I thought it before the game last night I, I thought Maguire should be dropped this weekend I just think when you lose 6-1 and you lose 6-1 in the manner that they did to Tottenham you, you have got to set a precedent of making changes and that does start with the bat with De Gea Solskjaer could have turned the page and started the season with Dean Henderson instead he's extended the chapter and the defence has got worse and I have a little bit of sympathy for De Gea because I don't think he's been directly blameworthy for any of the goals. I'd say that Son's first, the one that made it 2-1 to put Tottenham 2-1 up, he's, he's, he's stuck to his line for too long before he actually does come out and he, he makes Son's life easier in terms of the finish, as brilliant as it was. 
but De Gea's form has been problematic for upwards of 18 months and that has to have a bearing on the defence even though there are a lot of individual errors uh, against Crystal Palace which was obviously a disaster class from Lindelof. Maguire and Shaw had disaster classes against Tottenham and but you've got to you've got to change it up. Um, I, I suspect that there'll be players who should be dropped this weekend but will still be starting um, it's not just the defence. Pogba's been diabolically bad, and I know you have to factor in him having COVID. But look, what, what, what kind of a precedent does it set when he plays like a drain, goes away on international duty, plus his eyelashes at Real Madrid again, and then you immediately start him in what is a must-win game? That that would be weak management. Yeah, we'll touch on Paul Pogba in a bit, and then comments. Do you think, Rich, do you think the solution this weekend and the solution for the next few games for Solskjaer is to go to maybe a three at the back again? If he's not going to drop Maguire, then possibly that's the one way he can almost mask the issue for the next few weeks. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think, like Samuel said as well, I'd be interested to know what sort of change the back line has anyway if they had someone more vocal and commanding like Dean Henson and goal behind them because you wonder maybe even even like a subtle change like that might actually improve the defence, get them positioned better, get them knowing their jobs better and just have them sort of rollocked more during the game when they're not doing what they're meant to be doing. But I think in terms of the switching the back setup, I think that there's definitely an argument to suggest that I think it sends an awful message if you go to Newcastle away more defensive. I think it's just it's like sort of something David Moyes would do. I think it's really bad precedent that setting. But I think for the for the games after Newcastle, particularly, I think if United can get through this weekend, then I don't think anyone would begrudge them to to drop Luke Shaw into a left centre back role and bring Tellez in from the start as as a left wing back. But then of course that leaves the other issue on the right hand side, which is wan isn't a wing-back, so you've still got that issue. It solves one, maybe in the centre-backs, but creates another out wide. I think, you know, like I said, United need to make changes this weekend. I don't really have, like Sam said, I don't really have the faith that they'll make as many as they need to. I think the formation coming up in the next few weeks, playing against teams who actually warrant more respect, then yeah, go for it. Go for the, the system which worked last season. But Newcastle away is not a game where you should go more defensive. It sends out the wrong message. And it'll okay. only boost Newcastle's confidence. They're a team who, yeah, they might not be very good, but we've seen them against the likes of Man City. You know, they, they pick off these big teams once in a while. And you've got Almiron and St. Maximam. They are the two type of players United would dread playing against. If they're going into the game saying, come out as Newcastle, we'll hit you on the counter-attack. It'll just end... It'll be a disaster class again from Solskjaer, and it really could be the writing on the wall for him if he goes to Newcastle and and sets up to play on the counter attack. Rich, Samuel, what team would you what team would you play, Rich? Do you, do you have one in mind? I almost. I mean, I think United need to stick to the four three three. My, I, I mean, it all comes down to that that forward line, doesn't it? I, I've almost even toyed with the idea that they could go Maverick on on the left wing. I mean, Solskjaer's already mentioned that Van der Beek could play out wide if, if necessary. And I guess if you've got Tellers on the overlap, that's something that yeah, yeah definitely got yeah. a bit more impetus about it. You've I mean, you've even got the shout that Tellers himself. Everyone says how good he is going forward. Maybe give him a free hit and play him on the left wing. It's not what you want to be doing if you just signed left back, really. But United have so many problems up top at the moment. Like you said, Samuel, though, I would drop Paul Pogba and put Van der Beek in the midfield. Yeah. But I just, I just can't see it happening. No, I, I, I mean, I looked at it. I think Ferguson made five changes in the next league game um, after the six-one because they had a league cup tie against Aldershot, sandwiched in between. Mm-hmm. 
and I think one was enforced. But some, I mean, some of the players I've, I forgot, like Johnny Evans still started at Everton next week. When think of how accountable he was for the six-one, and Darren Fletcher starts as well because um, uh, it, because United had no midfield practically at the time. But he was he was he was having to manage his his illness. It hadn't. I don't think it had emerged yet that he was suffering from ulcerative colitis, but it was draining him at the time. And Ferguson did make a conservative selection, which was to put Rooney in midfield, again, because he bothered stopping, stop buying midfielders for whatever reason. And over the course of the next three or four weeks, United, I think they were winning 1-0 or it was 1-1. There were a few 1-0 wins, like Everton away, Swansea away, Villa away, through 1-1 against Newcastle. It was clearly a very conservative um response to to the 6-1 game and of course with Solskjaer and the teams he's coming up against I, it, it really wouldn't surprise me if he does try and shore it up in an innovative way that's similar to what he did with the back three last season but as you said if you go to Newcastle with a back three it's it's almost like the game is up at that point for a United manager. I'm not sure what other sort of more defensive changes he can make. Obviously, Matic has to play. I'd be interested to know what he does in, in terms of his wider midfield, though, because yeah, maybe he won't even go for the luxury of two of his sort of more playmaking midfielders and like so up front. That's a real, real issue. And he might even try and go to it. Maybe a diamond of the four-four-two, make it quite narrow and quite maybe not exciting going forward, but a bit more solid at the back. But I don't envy Solskjaer's task this weekend at all. And you know, with the uh, the p-word sort of circling in the media again, you, you know, it's going to be a <laughs> It's going to be a lot of pressure on him, isn't there? Yeah, it's, his his team will be contentious this weekend. That's that's an absolute certainty. Where do you see Sol, Solskjaer in his future right now, Samuel? Because to me, it almost feels like we're in a similar situation to, I think it was last November last year when they had Tottenham at home and City away and there was a lot of pressure on Solskjaer at that point. And I know it's Newcastle this weekend and not one of them two teams, but a bad result against Newcastle on the weekend, followed up by the fixtures they have, after that, we could very, very easily be looking at Solskjaer being under serious pressure, even this time next week. I was told, like, I remember last year after, I think it was, they, they'd drawn with Villa on the Sunday and they had four wins from 14 in the league. And I was told at that point he was on the rocks, but he got those two huge wins against Tottenham and City back to back. And that pretty much it effectively kept him in the job for, for the rest of the season, even though January was extremely fraught and toxic. I think the the ire of the supporters was more directed at the ownership and Ed Woodward rather than Solskjaer. And of course, they brought Fernandes in, then everything changed for the better at that stage. But I don't think you can really rule out him, his job being on the line over the next three or four weeks. Fortunately for him, he does have this tendency to pull off these um, big results and big games. Another relevant, I mean, this was exactly the same time as last season. They'd lost, to Rock, they'd lost at Newcastle, um, in the last game before the October internationals, there was a lot of uncertainty around his future. The club uh, became quite proactive in dealing with the media during that period and if essentially throwing their, you know, throwing their support behind Solskjaer. They came back and they got quite a creditable draw against Liverpool, who hadn't dropped a point in the league up until that point. And they went on a relatively decent run, <clears throat> excuse me, up until the November internationals. So he's got this tendency to pull off good results against big teams um his, his big game record is, is is pretty good but of course the Tottenham game that that does count as a as a big game if you like it's it's another big six uh opponent and they got absolutely wiped by them 6-1 
and United are in a much worse place than they were in February or March or after the season restarted last season. So I think there are only so many times he can pull the rabbit out of the hat. And look, do you think that's his fault? Um, in what in what in what sense? In the sense, in the sense that, that almost like the form has dipped dramatically since then. Can you put that down to maybe what's gone on off the pitch? Because I mean, obviously, the stuff that's gone off the pitch. It's kind of out of his hands, obviously, in terms of signs and what's happened with Maguire and everything else. Or do you think the the, the blame should be held to people maybe above Solskjaer? Oh, I've, I'm, I maintain what I wrote. Yeah, it was a year ago, actually. It was after the Newcastle game. Solskjaer is a problem, but he's not the problem. And that's why when the time comes for him to be sacked, whenever that is... Uh, I, I think that United fans will be turning more on, on Woodward and, and the Glazers than, than Solskjaer. And he's banked that goodwill because of what he did as a player. And he has shown merit as a manager as well. But he's also, there have also been games where it's it's been all on him, really. Um, I mean, the Tottenham one, I think the team he picked was probably the logical one to select. And I don't think many fans would have would have grumbled about his his decision-making that in terms of the players that, that lined up, even though Van der Beek still didn't get a league start. But it was more what he did during the game. When Tottenham went 2-1 up, you felt something. It was just like there was something in the air that this could be carnage. And he didn't do anything really to address it. The defence was still as porous as anything. Things just carried on regardless without him doing anything that first half. I think another manager would have been making changes before Marshall got sent off, whether it be substitutions or tactical changes because nothing was fundamentally wrong um, and he didn't do that and, and that was on him in that respect but of course there, there's a lot of noise elsewhere that has, has contributed to matters but um, he's he's had, a, he's had a fair amount of backing in transfer windows I think he signed what he signed 10 players now um, including Ingalo on loan I think Mourinho ended up signing 11 players overall over the course of what two and a half years but the, the window they had um, and the, the issues with it, that, that's, that's not on him. That's on the, the incompetence of, of the hierarchy. Like Samuel said, Ash, it's been amplified by the fact that we've had an absolutely draining international break that nobody wanted. United have come off the back of an awful home defeat, absolutely humiliated by the manager they sacked to get Solskjaer in. And then they've had, whether you like or not, they've had, I, I think, an almost embarrassing deadline day. Yes, they've got four players in, but how many of them go into the starting lineup? One, maybe at best, of, of the summer yeah. recruits. Um, Cavani, I, I know he's got merits. I don't have anything against him as a player, but he absolutely contradicts everything we've been told about the transfer strategy, his cultural reset. He just undo, undoes all that maybe hard work and progress they've made. It's just a step backwards in that sense. But like Samuel said, the issues is at United go far beyond Solskjaer, but Solskjaer has to take some blame for it because even tactically, the way he approaches games, some of the stuff he says as well, you do question if he's if he has got the United DNA himself. Yes, he did have a play, as a player, but as a manager, there's almost every game there's some tactical obscurity. Selections are still a bit odd, and like Samuel said, when the going gets tough in games, sometimes he he doesn't really come out and, and make these changes which turn the game on its head. And United are still just relying and over-relying on people's brilliance or penalties to sort of get them out of these tricky situations. Because even the games United have won this season, they, they could easily have not won as well. And you think about that Brighton game, how much more pressure there'd be if United hadn't have won it in the circumstance they did. But like I said, the international break's not helped Solskjaer. It's a huge month. We've seen it before that he can uh, pull the rabbit out of the hat. But 
it's just it's been United all along. They just make the same mistakes time and time again. And I have no doubt that United will win maybe one of these games against big sides quite well. And you'll think, oh, Solskjaer has got it, but they'll lose again in another month or two time against a team they should have that they shouldn't have lost against, and they'll probably get humiliated in one of these games again. And you know, it's just going to keep on being this endless cycle. And the the change that needs to be made at United, they are the manager and the board, but whether they happen now, I, I don't think they will. Yeah, if United were to get rid of Solskjaer, Samuel, who would be the obvious replacement? Who would be the obvious replacement? It's, I'm going to make you say it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's Pochettino. He's he's ticked every box apart from silverware, and uh, he was he was the preferred choice uh, to replace Mourinho, but wasn't attainable at the time. And Solskjaer did what he did, and uh, you know I think it was. It, the, the strange thing about that was that even if they hadn't appointed him permanently at the time, they did. I think they still would have at the end of the season because there's no way in those final 12 games, if he was still caretaker manager, that United would have won just two games. Uh, he, he'd have just, it was a mental thing that that run, that awful run they went on. And, you know, I he, he probably wins more games than two out of 12, maybe not many more, probably doesn't win a trophy still, but he probably still does, does end up getting the job. But since pretty much since the um, the appointment of him on a permanent basis, there have been recurring doubts about his suitability. And when you're talking about that at this point, then something has, something drastic has got to happen sooner or later for him to to, to still be in the position he is um, this time next year because they've, they've gone over three years without a trophy. Um, if they don't qualify for the Champions League next season, which I think a lot of people would see now is is probable rather than possible even at this premature stage when that happens um the manager loses his job uh, even though you know, there, there are people above him who, who should lose their jobs as well so uh, i think united in a way they're, they're quite fortunate that clubs like barcelona and, and juventus and, and arsenal to a lesser extent have all overlooked pochettino but there are other clubs that would be in for him with zidane at real madrid uh, another early champions league exit you could see him um you know, leaving and, and Pochettino is a very obvious man to come in and replace him there. He's got history with PSG. Tuchel has been there for, what, two or three years already, but they've still not won the Champions League, even though they got quite close last last season. So whilst he's still available, um, he, ha- he has to be considered, obviously. Yeah, we shall see we shall what see. pans out there. From one issue to another... The comments on Paul Pogba on international duty have, have made the headlines and it feels like this comes around every single international break we're on. I'll read out the quote. He says, of co- the, the highlighted part is, of course, every footballer would love to play for Real Madrid and would dream about that. It's a dream of mine, so why not one day? Rich, I'll start with you. <laughs> with, with Paul Pogba, it feels like every single international break, something like this comes about. He obviously has a plus one on his contract for next season, but surely... Surely this summer we're going to have a breakthrough on the situation with Paul Pogba. What do you think? La- what where do you think his future lies? Well, first of all, I wish Paul Pogba had the same accent as you, uh, Ash, because I think I could tolerate most of his wines more in a northeast accent. But <laughs> I mean, you, you're almost maybe in a way United. There might be maybe a silver lining with United's bad form, and that's that the Paul Pogba new contract talks gone quiet because the thought of rewarding him for even his performances, as well as what he's been saying in the media, would be ludicrous at this stage. And I just, I mean, I was speaking to Ty yesterday on 
on our work chat about uh, about Paul Pogba and it just for me I know everyone says he does more stuff off the board that's what he represents and stuff but he just first of all for me hasn't justified his price tag one bit um, the fact that as Samuel said he plays like a drain and he is culpable for quite a few mistakes in the United lineup and you think even towards last season and their, their post lockdown fall and there's still quite a few mistakes there um, Bruno Fernandes was outperforming him easily Matic was outperforming him as well really his his role isn't as crucial as it as it was in the United midfield. For me, he just doesn't do enough. He certainly doesn't justify the price tag. I know that people say that you have got to take that away and maybe take that with a pinch of salt sometimes. But for me... Why do you think his role isn't as important as it once was? Is that because of Bruno Fernandes coming in in January and almost... I just think it's because there's been, there's been 20 maybe signings since him and most of them have done better or had a bigger impact, a larger impact than him. Uh, for me, Pogba, you know, he just for me, he's, he's almost become just synonymous with this this post Ferguson reign and he just is one of these players he's like United really he's maybe all talk at the moment they're a team who say they're still the biggest in the world they say they're the, the best they're the pioneers but the 16th in the Premier League you know it's maybe all talk and there's probably a stage where they need to part company just with the way they are at the moment the way the clubs ran the people who are in charge and you know Paul Pogba has always got to be tarnished that brush and for him to turn around a United career and be deemed a unanimous success United need to win one of the major trophies, and I just don't see that happening. Like you say, he's out of contract next summer, technically. United, they will trigger that one year just to keep him keep him there and have some sort of market value for a resale. But I think it's time's up. United United need to sell him. I don't think he necessarily... I think he maybe even causes a problem with the lineup now that Van der Beek's in because someone has to drop out. I know there's rotation options. I know you need to think about they're not going to be playing the same lineup every single week. I get that, but... Paul Pogba has just not done it for me at United. I don't think he ever will maybe do it for me at United. And I, you know, I just, I come at it just maybe in very simple terms. I know you could get hammered for this, but in terms of like great goals, great performances, great moments of Paul Pogba in United shirt, there's a handful. He's been there for four years now and it'll be five years next summer. And for me, he's just not been good enough at United and they have a chance next summer to sell up and they, they really need to do so while he's at least got some market value. Samuel, do you agree that United should possibly yeah. look at that? Yeah, they no, not not look at it. Just just sell him. Uh, he's, I, it's it's completely understandable that he wants to join Real Madrid. He's wanted to join Real Madrid for years. It was his initial preference to go to Madrid um, in 2016. But Mirayola advised him go back to United, have your homecoming, and then after three years we'll look to get you to Spain. So Raiola's failed on that part. And if if there hadn't have been a pandemic this year, I think he probably would have left. Uh, I think the way the club have indulged him is is pretty nauseating, really. Uh, the fact that they sided with him over the manager. United became a player power club then, which was absolutely unthinkable um, under Ferguson, even under Van Gaal. OK, there were a lot of disgruntled players, but Van Gaal was, was so far gone. He'd had so much backing and the football was so soporific and... Uh, the, the drudgery of watching the Van Gaal sides. Nobody was going to shed tears over him going. Uh, he, he had to go at that point. But for United to side with a player over a manager and then pretty much not do anything after he revelled in the manager's sacking, I don't ever, I can't recall a United player ever actually doing that publicly or as brazenly as Pogba did, um, was weak of the club. And when Raiola came out last December in his interview with the Daily Telegraph and said he was sorry 
that he hadn't moved Pogba to um, Real Madrid, and I highlighted this as others did. I got a message from someone at the club saying, but, oh, he, he's also said that he wants to win trophies at United and blah, blah, blah. Well, I think, if anything, if, if the one thing Raya and Pogba have incorporated into their rhetoric about Real Madrid and his future is that they are a little bit more di- diplomatic. I mean, Pogba did mention that he's trying for United at the moment. He wants to get them back to where they are. So it's almost as if he's he's tagging that on the end just to be a bit more diplomatic because he hadn't done that previously when he was away on international duty. But they can't give him a new contract because it's just, it, it, it just, it's an absolute affront to the supporters who play his, pay his wages. Um, he doesn't want to be there I think United have just got to accept that this homecoming has not worked out. Um, they've just got to rip it up and start again. I think as long as Pogba's there, he's, he's a very popular presence um, at the club, uh, highly regarded. He's obviously a huge, huge player. He's a big name. There's marketability that comes with that as well, that obviously appeals to the United bean counters. Um, but... The, the principal thing to do has to be to sell him. This is a player who was knowingly offered to Manchester City uh, behind the club's back. I think he's just lucky that there's a there's a certain contingent on the of the online following that are just absolutely enthralled to him and see no wrong in him whatsoever, which I find quite baffling because there have been at least three occasions where, on the record, he has spoken about the possibility of leaving United. And again, I've I've no problem with that. I don't think it's controversial that. A player like Pogba, whose wife is Bolivian, who is an elite footballer, and I think most elite footballers, they they want to play for Real Madrid or they want to play for Barcelona. And his boyhood idol is is coaching Real Madrid. He wanted to sign him in 2016 as well. Why wouldn't you want to play for a club that have won four Champions Leagues in in recent years and are the reigning champions in Spain when the current club you're at? A, a, what, as Rich said, 16th in the league, haven't won anything in over three years. And there's a very, very real possibility that United won't qualify for the Champions League next season. Um, at which point, it's it's in, almost impossible to keep him because he is not going to want to be spending a third season in the Europa League. United had the cards stacked in their favour last year in the summer of 2019 because he effectively was midway through his contract and there was no way that any club were going to come to offering United what they wanted. I think they were talking about wanting 180 million for him, which was fair enough. At the moment, they would they would do well to recoup the 89 million they paid for Popper. I know he's obviously tested positive for COVID and that has had an impact on his form. I, I do think he's been mismanaged by Solskjaer, who should have dropped at Brighton for the league game. He didn't, he was dismal there. They hoped, they thought that that little cameo at Brighton in the League Cup would trigger um, an upturn in form. It didn't. He was even worse against Tottenham. But it would just be an affront to United supporters, to United matchgoers, I should say, because that's that's the key difference. We've been on European aways where supporters have come up to us and said, so Bruges was the one that sticks in the mind, saying just how much of a disgrace Pogba was because of what was going on in the background with Raiola, who had tried to you know, take on Solskjaer with some some Twitter thread. And obviously, Pogba doesn't say anything about it. Um, the matchgoers have had their fill of him, I think. And he's look, he's not the first player to do this, going away on international duty and fluttering their eyelashes at another club. But they've United have just got to be realistic. They've just got to move on from the player power era, put the power back with the manager, whether that's Solskjaer or Pochettino or another. Um, 
and and just try and regroup. It's it's another, I guess it's another cultural reset in a way, as as as, as they'd say it. But I just don't really, unless Pogba has an absolutely barnstorming next seven or eight months, I don't see how you can justify it. And even if he does do that, I still think it's in everyone's best interests that he moves to Real Madrid next year. Um, and and he his closest teammates know that as well. He he's been very open about wanting to play in Spain. And a lot of them think it's in the best interests of, of him and, and United that uh, that that happens. Which, where do you see Pogba's? He's going to be here till the summer. I mean, yeah. But he will most likely be there till the summer. But where do you see his best position in this team? Because On the bench, probably, at the moment. Because, I mean, the, the, the tragedy is that I've got nothing against Pogba. What annoys me most, I mean, I'm not, not a Man United fan, but what annoys me is that I just don't feel we've seen even half as, as much as Pogba can offer. I just feel like there's so much promise, so much hype. He gets so much credit for what he does. And there are glimpses, there's little moments which make you think, OK, this is Paul Pogba, this is the World Cup winner, this is the player that everyone raves about. We just haven't seen it enough at United and there's just not been enough of an impact for him. And, you know, we did the see him in that is... spell when Solskjaer did take over. In... Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, well, that, no, that's a year and a half ago. A year and a half. And ago. It's, also, it's also kind of that. That was completely tarnished by the fact he was turning it off for the previous manager. And as soon as the yeah. new manager came in, he turns it back so on. It looks. It looks bad on Pogba. The fact that he did yeah. turn it on so quickly and suddenly became a world beater again, and now it's been switched off again. And who knows? Maybe he'll go to Real Madrid and he will become the best central midfielder in the world. But the problem is, right now, he's not even maybe in the top two central midfielders at United, because Bruno Fernandes is outshining him every week. Everyone's saying that, well, not everyone, I can't speak for everyone, but lots of social media users saying that, you know, Van der Beek should start in front of Pogba. There's such an argument now that Pogba is just on the bench for United and he's got to fight his way back in. Like you said, in terms of rotation, he obviously is going to have to buy his time and one of them's got to drop out most match days to, to facilitate for it. So, you know, I guess it is harsh saying Pogba's just a bench warm because he's not and he's still got a role to play. But the issue is he's just not as important for United. He's not the first name on the team sheet. He isn't an undroppable anymore, which which he had been under all the other managers. And the issue, you know, I mean, all the other managers, there's one more, wasn't there? But the issue for, for United is that he just doesn't do it good enough. And in terms of where he fits in, like you asked, Ash, he's got to play in the midfield. I mean, he says he prefers a midfield two and he's okay in that, but United aren't good enough to play with midfield two at the moment. They've got to have this midfield three with Fernandes as the attacking unit, really, and then Pogba alongside Matic, really, in the base. But for me, you could easily drop Pogba out the side and you still get the same results. He just doesn't do enough for me. Yeah, we shall see what happens this weekend. Samuel, Newcastle on Saturday night. Are you looking forward to your trip to Townside? Yeah, but it's it's a bit of a... That that will be a particularly strange one without supporters because I know it's a, a cliche and how it's so different up there from from everywhere else. But it is it is one of those stadiums when it's when it's rocking it's it's quite quite the sight to behold. Um, I mean, Rich and I were at Bramall Lane last year for that three all game, and that immediately went into my like top five grounds that I've visited. Um, I'm not sure I'd say the same about New about St James's Park because you've got the garish. Mike Ashley uh, sponsorship logos there and from the, the way supporters experience you're up in the gods it's not a brilliant away end it, it used to be a pretty good away end when it was in the, the bottom corner um, but that's that was many moons ago now that's probably about 20 years ago I think yeah um, so but but there, there is something about that ground the fact that it's right in the 
smack in the middle of the city centre and Sir Bobby Robson uh, statue outside it. It, it. it does look more tired than Old Trafford, the um, the actual stadium, but it, it's, it's definitely got a charm about it. And the, the staff are very, uh, very pleasant. And uh, I've, I've got a soft spot, soft spot for, for Steve Bruce. I think he was the first footballer I ever met um, when I was at, at the age of eight. So uh, I, I'm always, uh, I'm always with Luke Edwards of the Daily Telegraph in the in the Bruce Inn camp. Yeah, Rich, the striking situation this weekend is something that is an interesting topic of debate. We've got, obviously, Martial suspended and Cavani still having to quarantine with the COVID guidelines. What do you think? Do you think Agarlo's an obvious option to play through the middle or do you think maybe Mason Greenwood could start through the middle? I, see I don't think Agarlo's an obvious option. I don't think Agarlo's an obvious option in the squad anymore. Um, yes, he's got a purpose and yes, he's a striker, but he's been so sort of bad in his last few outings. I mean, the last game he played okay was probably that Norwich one in the FA Cup after lockdown. Where he got the goal, which is which was a good finish, but he looks like a former Premier League striker who plays in China now. He just he doesn't look of Manchester United quality. They should never have extended his loan, even if he even if he played well. Maybe it's sort of that uh, Solskjaer effect of you know you just got to ride the tide. And when a caretaker's done their their purpose, he's got to part ways. But they gave Agallo the extension to next January, which I don't begrudge the initial loan at all. He served a purpose. He eased the pressure on Marshall while Rashford was injured, but. As soon as Rashford came back, it was apparent that Agarlo didn't have any purpose really in that squad other than just to come on the last 10 minutes and hold the ball up. You know, for me, his best moment in United shirt was probably in the derby win over City when he we held the ball up really well towards the end and yeah. you know, he, he played a key role in United getting the goal, which, which decided it really. But, you know, for me, that he isn't an obvious selection anymore and I, I, I still expect him to be on the bench this weekend, but... I think Rashford and Greenwood are better options at pop. I guess it depends what formation Solskjaer goes for. Like we said, he could go for the diamond, could play a 4-4-2. He could use Rashford and Greenwood both through the middle. He could stick with 4-3-3 and, and go a bit maverick. You know, I mean, you can still play Greenwood on the right, Rashford through the middle. Like we said, you could go James on the left, you could go Tellez, you could go Van der Beek. There are some options, maybe not the ones you want at your disposal. But it's what do you think the best game. option is? The best option is... I. I mean, I would have usually said Daniel James, but he was even by his standards was bad last night for Wales against Bulgaria, which is which is worrying, and he just looks knackered again. I mean, the international break we thought would be able to revitalise some players, but playing three games is just, just bad news for everyone really who, who's involved. I know he didn't play the full ninety in all and for Wales, but he just looks short of confidence and is another player who just needs to be on the bench and come on with an impact and and sort of stretch tired legs. I'd still stick with a four-three-three. Like I said, I, I mean, I I like to be in the wild card, so I'd probably put Van der Beek left winger and then have Tellers on the overlap if he's going to play. But if Tellers isn't fit enough and you've gone and they're going to play Shaw or or whatever, I mean, Tellers should be fit enough to play for Brazil this week. So I don't see why he wouldn't go straight into the lineup. Um, yeah, I'd go four three three with Van der Beek on the left and Tellers on the overlap. At least give it a go, see what happens, and that way you've got all your midfielders happy and you've got them all playing. But then there's also the argument that they need a rest. So to lose, lose no matter what happens. If United go. St James Park and win, even if they win comfortably, people say, "Yes, so what? It's Newcastle away. You should be doing that." Um, there's, there's no right answer really, which, uh, which is my yeah. way of getting out of this one. I think the yeah. lack of the lack of fans helps someone like Tellez, and it looks like he's only just got back to Manchester today from international duty, and so he'll probably have maximum two training sessions with with his new teammates before a game. But there's not that. There's not that atmosphere there to to leave a player on edge. He's not going to get abused from the touchline. He's not going to have 
Geordie's on top of him paying, you know, for his blood or anything like that. It's 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 incomparable with something that ever went through on his United debut, which was in a Manchester derby, and he was brought off at half time because United were two 0 down, and he'd had such a horror show. So even though Tellez has been to South America and probably only just met his teammates for the first time today. It is an ideal situation to bring him straight into the team, as it would have been if Cavani was was able to participate. But obviously, as you said, he's he's still in quarantine. Um, so I, 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 ordinarily, I think managers would be looking for excuses not to throw a new signing straight into the team when they've just been to the other side of the world. But given the last result and given the, the situation with behind closed doors games, uh, it's I, I don't see how you... Why, why you wouldn't um, put Tellez into the team? Yeah, uh, who knows? I mean, if you're buying, if if you've got, if he buys Van der Beek and buys Tellez and neither of them start this weekend, that in itself is another issue because then it really is. You know, they've bought all these players this summer and none of them are in the starting lineup, which is just farcical. Yeah, we shall see how things pan out this weekend on time side. But until then, Rich Samuel, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Ash, for having us. And thank you to everyone listening at home. And if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do so. Leave a review, leave a like, and join our Facebook group, which is in the descriptions below. But until then, we will see you later.